we began a conversation about the importance and the role that those in the marketplace play in the prayer room. The reality in most praying communities or houses of prayer is that they cannot be sustained with just full-time and part-time staff. We need those in the marketplace, in the workplace, to give themselves to the place of prayer and to bring this reality to those in their spheres of influence. Today, we're going further into this conversation with some guests to share their experiences. This is the Burning Rooms Podcast. Welcome to the Burning Rooms Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast where we connect with the prayer movement in Canada and beyond, where we have the conversations and share the stories to strengthen your corporate and your personal prayer life. My name is Johan. I'm Jehu. I'm Brian. And today we have two guests with us that are members of the marketplace, of the workplace. <laughs> we have Jules and we have Rebecca. So let's start with you, Jules. What is your role in the marketplace? And what, what's your role in the House of Prayer? Thanks for having me. I am an elementary music teacher in the public schools here in Winnipeg. And I've been teaching music actually for 10 years. And actually, oh. I'm going into my 20th year of teaching. 20 years wow. of teaching. Yes. Woo! Insert Yay! applause <laughs> sound. Awesome. And your role in the House of Prayer? Uh, I've been at shop for 10 years and I've done a lot of different things actually over the years, leading worship and uh, small groups as well, and uh, serving on the board actually, and helping out in the kids ministry. And your house actually serves for a lot of our prayer meetings, which is kind of cool. It's like you live in the house of prayer. It is. It's really cool. Awesome. Rebecca, thanks for coming on with us. What do you do in the workplace, in the marketplace? I am a social worker. I work with women and men who are the victims of domestic violence. And I have been doing social work for six years now, but I just moved into this position uh, a number of months ago. Awesome. And what role do you play when you go to the house of prayer? I am a singer and a worship leader. So again, thanks for both of you uh, joining us on this episode of the Burning Rooms podcast. And just to start off, uh, we wanted to kind of throw the question out to you. Uh, a lot of people, when they're talking about their roles in ministry, uh, kind of have stories or or they had experiences where they share how the Lord called them to that specific assignment. Uh, and we know in the marketplace is no different. The Lord leads and guides everyone to their individual callings. And so we just wanted to hear from both of you. Um, how did the Lord kind of call you into your different areas? Uh, what experiences have you had that have just confirmed that you're really in the Place that the Lord has you? So from an early age, I've always wanted to be a teacher. So for me, it was just like, sure, I'll just, I'm going to go into this. Um, actually, when I was in elementary school, I had, there was a, we did religious ed education classes in the public school, which was kind of not something that happens today. But we had a lady come, she was actually an African uh, missionary and I just remember her talking about Jesus and and I just always thought, oh my goodness, like that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to share Jesus. And and for some reason, it just kind of like, it was like, maybe I'll go away somewhere and, and share Jesus and be a missionary. But when I was in high school, my best friend and I had a, a ministry just in our high school, just we did prayer meetings and devotional times. And we also, um, in our 11th year uh, just before we graduated, we drove around the communities and visited everybody in our class, and we just prayed for them, and we just spent the time praying. And I just remember thinking, 
this is just such a great opportunity that I have as a believer to to share Jesus, and that's what I wanted to do. And I just thought, public school, I can do this in the public school. And so I just have always felt called to to go and uh, work in that place. So when you wanted to be a teacher as a young person, what, did you specifically want want to be a music teacher? No, I actually hadn't even really thought about it. Even though music was such a part of my life growing up, I just was like, I didn't really see myself as that. I guess I was thinking just teaching regular subjects. And then since I moved to Winnipeg, actually, the Lord just totally opened my eyes to see that this is actually something I really love to do. And even though I've served in worship teams and throughout my whole life, it was just like, oh, I can actually do this in public school too. Not necessarily worship stuff, but all of the other things that come along with teaching music. And I'm just like, this is what I'm called to do. So it wasn't necessarily one single point in your life where the Lord called you to be a teacher. He kind of brought something you always wanted to do, a desire, and then you just kind of went along with it. And that's where you are today. Yeah. 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 And I had training, some training in it, but I just, I guess I was never really thinking about this is what I want to do with teaching. It was just, that wasn't part of it, but the Lord just, yeah, opened the door for that. And I'm like, yeah, this is what I want to do. And part of it was like, I, the desire and the happiness that it actually made me feel when I was like doing this. And I'm like, wow, like teaching's good, but teaching music is like, who gets paid to play and sing and dance all day long? I do. <laughs> and I'm like, and I just like, and also just be a light in that place. So I just love that. Awesome. Rebecca, how about you? Was there a point in your life where you felt that the Lord has called you into what you're doing? Unlike Jules, I did not feel called to the marketplace or to working full-time. I thought I was going to be a missionary from when I was very young. I thought, missions, this is the this is the life for me. And so I did Bible school after I graduated. I had no intentions of going to university. And just through kind of life and realizing I wasn't necessarily ready to go out into the mission field, I was faced with the decision of what am I going to do? Am I going to continue to work where I'm working or do I need to make a change? And so I feel like I kind of fell into school and I really, it's the retrospect that lets me see the Lord's leading and guiding because (laughs) when I think about it, I can't really pinpoint how I got to where I am. But then I look back now, having been in my field for six years and saying, wow, God, you're such a great leader. You knew all the steps along the way to get me to where I am. And I'm so grateful because I feel like I'm really living in the place of his calling for me and using the gifts and talents that he's given me Because I really thought I was going to end up either in missions or in the house of prayer. Because like Jules, I've been in the house of prayer for 10 years. And early on, I thought, this is the place that I want to be full time in the house of prayer. But that wasn't his plan. And I'm really, although I love the house of prayer, I'm so grateful for the fact that he has different callings and purposes for all of us. And we're not all called to the house of prayer. Or at least to a full-time capacity. Like, you are definitely called to the house of prayer. Right. Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm thinking vocationally. Yes, vocationally. Yes. So, Rebecca, when you were talking about sort of your journey, you mentioned how in retrospect you can kind of now see the, the places where the Lord led or the kind of the little 
uh, places and the ways he nudged you this way and that way. And I think that's, that's really cool to kind of look back and sort of see how he's led us. Um, and now looking forward, uh, you have a lot of time left in the marketplace. You're not about to retire. You said you've just been doing this for six years. So, um, do you feel like the Lord's given you anything? Do you have anything kind of burning on your heart of how you would sort of view your marketplace, uh, your workplace? Like if you were to give it a mission statement, like, you know, for your time there, what would you give it? Well, that is interesting because when I was in school for social work, we actually had to write our mission statement and I went to a Christian school. And so when I was thinking about my mission statement, I can't remember word for word what it said, but it was essentially that I want to go into the social service sphere and bring the Holy Spirit and partner with him to bring the gospel and bring the light of Jesus into these dark, difficult places. And it's been so cool to watch and see how he's actually fulfilled that mission statement. Do you find yourself coming back to the mission statement once in a while? I haven't thought about it for a long time, but I think I experience it daily. Yeah, because you could, I mean, you can still kind of recite it, right? So you know it's still there. Yes. Awesome. And how about you, Jules? Do you have like a, if you were to try to encapsulate, again, you've been working a little bit longer, so you're a little closer to retirement, but you're not, you're not quite there yet. You, uh, you've only been doing 20 years. I'm really young. You know, more than six, but. She started at 10. Yeah, that's right. Um, actually, it's kind of similar to Rebecca's and it's kind of like whatever the Lord calls me to do, I will do. To me, it's that um, the Lord is bringing about um just using me in the ways that he wants to use me um, and just kind of saying to him that um, I'm going to stand in this place uh, to pray and I'm going to stand in this place to love. And um, that's what I just want to do every day. So Before I came on staff in the house of prayer, I spent seven years um, working in a job um, where I was crawling on concrete day in and day out. And it didn't necessarily seem to be directly related to being in a house of prayer, but I'm interested in your um, in your experience with your with your jobs. How do you see your job and the House of Prayer intersecting? Um, so I was just thinking about the things that we do in the House of Prayer that that directly relate to my job. And when I'm at the House of Prayer, I'm often thinking and praying about things. And when we pray for the under thirties, I'm praying for my students. I'm praying for my the kids that I work with, and even for a lot of the faculty and and the staff that that I work with too, that they would know the Lord and that I actually work with a couple Christians, which is kind of cool. Some of the conversations we have about different things. And I actually had somebody just, I was sick once and they came up to me and just said, Hey, can I pray for you as we were like walking out the door? And that was actually really, really cool. Cause I was like, we do this all the time and we pray for people all the time. And I don't necessarily have that direct permission to do that with kids. Although I do, um, when they're sick or there's something going on, I'm always praying. Like, it's just something that kind of happens. And when I was first um, started this position, it was really heavy spiritually. And I just was kind of like, I don't know what I'm going to do to break through or just to like have some just things change in the atmosphere. And besides praying on my own, and actually Brian Curry had said to me, he goes, pray in tongues. He's like, that will start to break things and change things. And actually it did. And I, it was like, wow, why didn't I think of this sooner? Cause we do this all the time in the house of prayer. But when I actually am there on the ground and 
And in those situations, I am reminded to do that. And the Lord actually shows up and I feel strengthened whether the situation maybe changes. Sometimes it has actually, and I'll share a little bit more some stories after of how that has actually um, been changed um, for students and changed the atmosphere. But for me anyways, I feel encouraged. And so that's something that we do all the time and that is actually really helpful. Yeah, I think Brian gave me the same advice when I was working in the school system. Uh, we always swap stories, actually, about that sort of thing. I remember that when yeah. we were both working. And um, one of the students, like, he was demon-possessed, for sure. Like, his eyes rolling in the back of his head. The teachers didn't know what to do with him. The principal didn't. I, I wasn't even working with this kid. I was an EA, but I had another student. But whenever this kid would have an episode, like throwing computers across the room or flipping tables... Uh, the principal would just call me on the inter intercom because whenever I come into the room and, and take him, he would calm right down. And that's because I was speaking in tongues under, like, very quietly, obviously, because I'm not allowed to do that in the school system. But, yeah, he would calm down for me all the time. And, and I always, I'm like, yep, I'm, I'm David and he's like the Solomon sort of mm -hmm. thing. So I'm singing over him. So that's a cool story. Yeah. I, I, you mean Saul, right? Saul. <laughs> I, okay, let me rephrase that so that's not going to make it into the podcast. That should make it in. No. <laughs> Zindorf. 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 This is your Zindorf. No. I don't want a Zindorf moment. <laughs> so for, for me, one of the things uh, when I was working the, the job I was before I was on staff is um, I would often have uh, worship music going almost all day in, in my section of our shop. And, and it was actually interesting just watching over the years as some of the language that was used in our shop just started to change. But I would often just be praying, like asking for more of the Lord under my breath while I was working. I really didn't use need to use my brain that much. I'm sure my boss maybe a few times would have liked me to use it a little bit more. Um, but, but in general, I just didn't need it that much. And so it was just, I could engage with the Lord for a while. I was actually working beside a a guy who is a believer as well. And and we had a few Holy Spirit encounters in the middle of our day, but it was kind of cool just to like, not just have a, a prayer expression that was in the prayer room, but actually bring it into the workplace too. And it was cool to have the freedom to do that. It just, the setup of our shop worked fine. And so uh, we just had some really good times with the Lord in, in the middle of the day. Thank goodness. Cause some of those days were pretty long. I think one thing that I've really taken from the house of prayer that has been applicable or transferable into my experience in the workplace has been the posture of listening for the Holy Spirit and being more attuned to when he's speaking to me and how to respond in those moments and being more apt to actually seek him out and to ask him if you want to use the the analogy of keeping my sails up or my antennae up that I'm paying attention for when he's showing me something or leading me in a certain direction. And I think I'm just more sensitive to his leading because I've spent time in the house of prayer. We're very intentional about growing our prophetic gifts and our ability to hear from the Holy Spirit. And I know Brian says it almost all the time, every single week that you can do this at Starbucks, you can do this at your workplace. And it's not necessarily as overt because not unlike Jules, I work in a environment where you can't just start praying in tongues over somebody who is having a hard day, but there are ways that you can encourage them. And I feel like our presence is just, we undervalue as people in the workplace, how much power and presence we bring just by going into the room. Johan, like you said, when you entered into that room with the 
the student who was demon possessed, that your presence and you bringing the Holy Spirit into that environment really shifted and changed the atmosphere. And I've certainly felt that and just had opportunities that I didn't foresee come up where I had an opportunity to pray for someone or to share to the gospel or even just be somebody who is markedly different because I don't live the same way that other people live and I don't talk the way that other people talk. And to the best of my ability, I try to bring integrity and righteousness into all of the things that I do. And I think that that's as whether you're in the house of prayer or not, as a Christian in the marketplace, I think that's one of our greatest missions is not just to the the clients or the students or who are the customers, but it's to our coworkers and to the people that he's put in our everyday vicinity that we eat lunch with and we ask how their weekend was and we actually genuinely care what they have to say and take time to get to know them and to be Jesus there. Yeah, I really like what you had to say there. I remember when I was uh, subbing before I got a job teaching, I was in one classroom and uh, the teacher I was subbing for actually had Bible verses kind of sticky on the computer, um, just kind of like underneath on the monitor. And I remember just being really touched by that because I love the word, but it was it was really cool to see someone else who also loved the word and just like I, I didn't know the teacher, but that they would have that sort of, you know, just, just a little kind of reminder there and other teachers, you know, would see it, but it, it wasn't overt. It wasn't a giant thing on the wall or something, but it was there and saying, I love the word. I love the words of Jesus. And these are important to me. And I'm going to put these up um, to, to meditate on them. I feel like as a house of prayer, we really value scripture. We value meditating on the word, on, on being in the word uh, as much as possible. And so that's something that I've definitely taken away, having those those little reminders um, for, for other students to see, for teachers to see. Uh, they're just, you know, having the word be in you and then around you, I think is so valuable. Here's a question as uh, as Jules and, and Rebecca, as you were sharing a little bit, and, and I know Johan as well, like all three of you are, are are singers and prophetic singers. And so part of your role in the house of prayer is to listen for what's on the on the heart of the Lord and sing it back to him. And you do this like over and over and over again in so many different sets. And, and a question I don't know if I've ever heard it asked before is um, how has how do you think that's impacted you in the prophetic when you step outside of the prayer room? I mean, we regularly practice the, the growing in the prophetic in our house of prayer and give words to people, but I've never really thought about the reality that more than anyone else in our house, the singers are consistently leaning into the voice of God, just probably most of the time without even hardly thinking about it anymore, because it's just so natural. You're just asking and, and in that posture. Have, have you noticed, I mean, I don't even know if you would notice it because it's just so, so much a part of you, but have you noticed any difference from from that regular practice of just putting yourself in front of him? I believe by faith that there's been a difference and that I am engaging in it more naturally now than I was 10 years ago. I don't know that I would say I it's hard to quantify. notice yeah. on a day-to-day basis that this is happening, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's different. Uh, being in the house of prayer is my vocation. I I often will look at people passing by and I'll just catch a glimpse of the Lord's heart for them. And then I'll begin singing over them or just speaking truth and life over them. Or I see a young person that I, I, the Lord says, I have a destiny, I have a calling for her. And then I'll just begin to call those things out as I pass by her. I don't think that was as prevalent when I wasn't doing it vocationally. I just probably wasn't thinking about it as much because you're focused in on your work. And it does take, it does take a skill, I think, to be in the workplace and to 
listen for the voice of the Lord for those moments too. I mean, Jules, you get to sing all the time because you're a music teacher. How does that translate for you? Uh, I was just thinking about the the when we pray actually for singers and musicians specifically in our house of prayer. I'm uh, that is something that I'm always thinking about my students because it's like here's a prime opportunity and I can see the fruit. And often I have a lot of students and even actually staff that come and they're just actually really hesitant. They don't like the sound of their voice. They don't they don't even like music like they like to listen to music but to actually create music or do anything kind of spontaneous or create yeah just to create a song or whatever just improvise they do not that's just a scary thing for a lot of people and to actually encourage people and and to say to my students like I believe in you and I like I believe that you're called to sing and you should sing um and they actually when they're trying it uh it's like just the look on their faces and just to see the development of that, those skills and those things. Um, I just like have the best job to encourage them to do that. And actually I've had several students that have not really had singing voices. Like they just, they're like, I can't sing, I can't sing. And they say that um, over themselves all the time. I'm like, actually, I'm going to show you how to sing. And so actually I have a few little techniques that I do with kids and with adults too, and to help them find their singing voices. And I just remember this one kid particular, I actually kept him at recess because he was kind of misbehaving. And I was like, I'm going to help him find a singing voice today. And the look on his face was just priceless because he's like, I can sing. Yes, you can sing. And I'm just like, that's what we pray all the time. And I think these kids, they don't necessarily know Jesus, but I believe that that's a starting point for them um, at such a young age to develop skills and I pray over them all the time that the Lord will raise them up as singers and musicians in the house of prayer and across the earth, wherever they find themselves, that they would actually know Jesus first and foremost, um, and then find themselves in that. So I, that's kind of a cool thing that I get to do. What would you say to Simon Cowell? You cannot <laughs> sing. <laughs> so what would you say to someone who definitely feels cold to the marketplace, but has heard about or is participating in a house of prayer and just loves the house of prayer atmosphere, but doesn't feel the time or permission or even the desire to leave their full-time job? What would you say to them? I would tell that person, don't leave your full-time job. I really think that I grew up in the context of thinking that ministry was better or more holy than people who were in the marketplace, that it was a lesser calling to be in the marketplace. Over the past decade, that view, in my opinion, it's totally shifted. I feel that there's such a high value for people in the marketplace to be in the marketplace and to be sharing the love of God with people that would not necessarily find themselves in the house of prayer. It's so valuable. You see people all throughout the Bible who have been called to the marketplace and God uses them in amazing ways to accomplish his purposes there. But as someone who also loves the house of prayer and loves being before the Lord, I would say do as much as you're able in that capacity for whatever season you're in, because it's going to fill your heart. It's going to give you love first for God and then for those that you find yourself around. And it's going to fill your tank. When you're struggling, when things are hard, the Lord will speak in those moments. He will meet with you and He'll encourage you and He'll strengthen you. And He has surrounded me with so many people in the house of prayer who have done exactly that and who have just poured into me and 
I'm so grateful for both and I would never want to choose one to the exception of the other, but I am definitely called to the marketplace as my vocation and to the house of prayer as the place where I come and meet with the Lord. And I think it's great. And you would probably also recommend they find a marketplace prayer meeting in their local town or city or start one if they don't have one. Or come to my house. Johan, I would. (laughs) You should come into my house. Starting next week, 6.30 (laughs) a.m. But seriously, I think as people who are outside of the marketplace, it's really valuable as somebody who is in the marketplace to see that there are people who are coming to those prayer meetings and by so doing saying your vocation is really important because I go to the house of prayer where I'm essentially going to your workplace and saying, hey, this is great. I love what you do. I don't want people showing up at my workplace. But if there's an opportunity to support me and to say, I really value what you're doing with your life. I really value the calling that God has placed on you. By coming to that prayer meeting, you're saying that this is valuable. This is important enough that I'm going to wake up for 6.30 on a Wednesday to spend an hour in prayer with you contending for your workplace. It's really valuable. I think what you said there is so important. So you you house of prayer leaders out there, full-time staff, like... Listen to that, and I, I really, like, I felt the Lord's heart behind that, too, so. Yeah. Well, and, and for myself, even, too, like, I I, I kind of did the fake groan because I I just, I wake up at 5.30 to be at that prayer meeting, and so it's like, oh, I always feel that when I wake up, like, that is literally my feeling, like, oh, I wake up, but when I get to that prayer, and I'm not a morning person, but I get to that prayer meeting, and it's always worth it, and it's so amazing to be with people, like, 6.30 in the morning, and it's fun for me because, very, in very few settings am I in a prayer meeting where we're praying for a person, and literally as soon as the prayer meeting is done, they go off to do the stuff that we were just praying about. And so it's such a—it's it's just so worth it to do it every time. And I can always nap later. Jules, did you have any anything to add to that for, for those that are listening? What Rebecca said, just adding to that. Um, I just want to say, you can kind of do both. When I moved to Winnipeg, I really felt the Lord calling me to the house of prayer. And I was, I actually wasn't working. So I was able to just pour into it. And then uh, when I got this job, it was like I had the option of working full time. Actually, I'm not quite full time. So I actually have reduced some of my hours just so that I can do some of the work in the house of prayer. And that to me, it's like you can do both. Like it's just, it is doable and it's, and it's like kind of like Rebecca said, like vocationally teaching or whatever your job is, but to also just that place that you go every Sunday and Monday and Wednesday and and just be before the Lord and with others with the like-hearted heart. Um, it's just uh, a place of encouragement. This is great. I think there's more conversation and I, we're going to do another part and have you guys on. We're going to talk about your vision for the workplace. But before we go, uh, I really felt the Lord's heart when you, Rebecca, when you talked about bringing the Holy Spirit into your workplace and just having that presence uh, to change the atmosphere. Can you guys like pray over the people listening? I think there's some people listening that say, yeah, I want that too. I want to go into my workplace and have the Holy Spirit go before me and change the atmosphere. Maybe you could just pray over us and, and over those listening. Lord, I thank you for those that are working in the marketplace. And we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and to move in power. We just say, Lord, your name would be glorified and lifted up over the cities of where people are working. Lord, would you find um, them in the places of being encouraged to 
to move with you and to hear what your heart is and to see what you see, to love those that you have placed under them and around them, that your name would be made known. Scott, I thank you for every man and woman that you've called to the marketplace. And I just feel your burning heart of love, that you are so delighted in those who have given themselves to the marketplace and take you with them every day into all of the different spheres of society. And God, I ask that you would strengthen each one, that you would give them grace to be in your presence, whether they have a job that really distracts them from being in your presence, or if it's mindless and they can just spend all day meditating with you upon you, God, I ask that you would strengthen their knowledge of your nearness, that they would find themselves asking you for direction throughout the day. God, I ask that you would release grace upon the five-second prayers of Holy Spirit, help. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, speak through me. Lord, would you do great and marvelous things through your believers in the marketplace? So before we end this episode, we actually have a new segment that we are adding to this season of the podcast. Uh, going into the House of Prayer, there's lots of unknown definitions. P- people come in and they hear these words or the phrases that they don't necessarily understand because they're not used in other church contexts. So we wanted to bring some of those definitions to light. So welcome to... Wait, what does that mean? Now, we got some guests with us. You guys, you feel free to chime in if you want. Uh, so today's word is unto. So before we give the correct definition uh, for the House of Prayer context, if you're someone new coming into the House of Prayer, what might you think that the word unto means? Um, it's simply the numbers 1, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and following. Sorry, can you repeat that? The numbers one, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All of those numbers are on two. Okay, so n- not two. Correct. Why don't we like two in the house of prayer? You know, it's it, it's a mystery to me, but this is clearly what it means. Okay, so that's the wrong definition. Now, what would we say is the correct definition when we hear the term "unto" in in the house of prayer context, the praying communities? We've all heard it before. Does anybody have any input into what "unto" means? Use it in a sentence. So, God, we ask for prayer unto revival. Prayer that leads to revival, that unleashes revival? Leads to? I'd usually see it as a word that ties together two ideas that kind of go in progression. You kind of have the smaller one and then the bigger one, and you're joining them and you want to sound fancy. So, you say unto. It's almost like using the King James version of language. Yeah, like if you were going for dinner, you'd have my salad and it's like unto my main course, right? You know, you could say I'm going to have salad and then the main course, but if it's unto the main course and then unto dessert, right? It's just, you sound really fancy. Okay, so I think we got good understanding with that. And if you hate the number two, it's also good, correct? Thank you. Okay, perfect. So this has been another episode of the Burning Rooms podcast. Find out more information about us or if you want to get a hold of us, visit us at burningrooms.ca. And we will join Rebecca and Jules again for another episode next time. Uh, Until next time, I'm Johan. I'm Jehu. Brian. I'm Jules. I'm Rebecca. And this has been the Burning Burning Rooms Podcast. Podcast.